listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cast through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of the Retail Razor Show. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to Retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike. Today, we are answering an incredibly important question for retail. What is the future of delivery services? Since the pandemic, local delivery, not just from restaurants, but from retailers in general, has grown considerably. We've seen so many attempts to differentiate with quick commerce providers, trying to undercut the one or two hour delivery schedule. The bigger and original players came in with and made normal. That's right. And especially in the quick commerce space, we've already seen big changes, consolidations, some exits in certain markets. And the fact is, delivery is a tough business. It requires scale, both breadth and depth to succeed. So we thought, why not bring in a successful delivery provider to talk with us about the future and where this market goes next? Exactly. And when we say successful, we brought the best voice in delivery. Today, we're going to talk with Raj Kapoor, COO of Shipt. Let's dive into this discussion. But first, it's time for one of our newest segments on the show, Blade to Greatness, where we hear from a retail industry leader who shares their insights and wisdom on how to excel in this dynamic and competitive field. In this segment, we learn about the essential skills and qualities that every retail executive needs to have to lead their teams and their businesses to success. Whether we're talking about the corporate office or stores, we'll uncover valuable tips and advice that you can apply to your own retail career path. We'll speak with Jeffrey P. McNulty, founder and CEO of New Retail Ethos, creator of The Ultimate Retail Course and author of The Ultimate Retail Manual. We'll learn from his 30 years of hands-on experience as an executive leader for The Home Depot, Lowe's, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, ShopCo, Toys R Us, Publix, and Festival Foods, plus 18 years of experience as a retail research analyst, having conducted over a thousand consultations with clients on Wall Street, hedge fund managers, equity investment partners, retailers, and entrepreneurs in the retail sector. Jeffrey has a myriad of experience, knowledge, and wisdom when it comes to retail leadership. And today, he's here to talk with us about one of the most important skills every retail leader needs to master, how to tap into employee intrinsic motivation. Let's listen to what he has to share with us. Welcome, Jeffrey. Well, thank you guys for having me on the show. It's an honor and I'm really pleased to be here. So that's a, that's a fantastic question, Ricardo. Many retailers are expressing concerns regarding a precipitous reduction in employee engagement within their organizations. Throughout my 30-year tenure in the retail sector with eight different retailers, I had tremendous success tapping into employees' intrinsic motivation, which always skyrocketed employee growth, productivity, and satisfaction. Your employees and leaders will exhibit two types of motivation within your stores or businesses. You have extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation is defined as when employees and leaders are motivated to perform a particular behavior or engage in a specific endeavor to earn a reward, such as recognition, compensation, a trophy, or a company perk. Or it can actually be to avoid negative consequences as well. With intrinsic motivation is defined as engaging in a personally rewarding behavior because you enjoy it 
or find it interesting. There are significant differences in the psychological mindsets between these two types of motivation. And as humans, we're all programmed to seek out pleasure and avoid pain. So intrinsic motivation comes from within the associate and is long-lasting. Any organization with a staunch commitment to providing an inclusive and rewarding atmosphere built upon a solid foundation of organizational culture will always have a loyal employee base. Intrinsic motivation should really encapsulate about 95% of your employees' motivation. And here are some positives that I've experienced with implementing this strategy. It allows employees and leaders to express their creative ideas and feel like they're part of a team. It demonstrates that the company has aligned its corporate mission with employees' values, shows the organization has compassion and empathy for all parties. Employees realize the, the company is transparent, authentic, and genuine. All shareholders and stakeholders truly feel the brand are good stewards of the environment. Employees feel the company is always exhibiting honest and ethical behavior in their interactions with others. And employees and leaders feel connected, engaged, and rewarded for their efforts that make them feel alive and purposeful in life. So I found out through empirical results from my 30-year tenure in the retail sector that asking questions allows you to tap into that intrinsic motivation of each employee and leader. And here are some questions that you can ask. There's obviously a lot more, but here are some of the top ones that I like to ask. What are your passions and hobbies? This opens up a myriad of, of, of opportunities for the, the employee or their leader to kind of share what really excites them and lights their fire. How can I help you achieve your aspirations? This is important because it shows as a leader that you really want to partner with them and support them along on their journey. How are you doing? Or you can ask, are you okay? Simple questions like this really open up the door to get to know the individual better. How can we improve our store or company? A lot of leaders don't want to ask this question because sometimes they don't want to hear the feedback that could be derogative or negative, but you know what? I want to know where I stand. I want to know where I can get better as a leader. I want to know where my, my brand can get better as a leader for that brand. Then you have, what are your future goals at this company and in your life? This, again, helps you to tap into what they're really passionate about and where they're looking to go. Now, you can ask something like, what are your one, three, and five-year goals? That's what was asked of me when I was a, a younger department head at Home Depot down in South Florida. And finally, what do you enjoy most about your role? This is important because it lets the individual know that you want to find out what they enjoy because you know that's how you can position them to be successful. And then as an added bonus, because I'm being on the Retail Razor show, I'm offering a $100 discount to all listeners for the Ultimate Retail Course. So all they have to do is go to theultimaterealcourse.com and enter in the code RETAILROCKSTAR100OFF. And for any of my consulting services at my company, New Retail Ethos, they can go to newretailethos.com. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic for that. So I, listening to your questions, Jeffrey, I, what kind of strikes me is that A, it doesn't seem like this should be hard to do, right? And B, I also think that these aren't questions that any leaders asking these questions of employees should feel like they're in any, any kind of invasive question. They're not questions that are off the mark. They're things that you, honestly, if you were just getting to know someone, they're things you'd want to know and would want to ask about them. So it really just feels like this comes back to that human factor we've talked about with you before, that you, you just have to realize that we're all people and it's all about the relationships. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic point. You know, as you notice, I post a lot on LinkedIn about this topic. I really am passionate about this. You, you hear about technology, you hear about innovation. And like I've said before a thousand times, I'm all for technology and innovation. I really am. I'm a big supporter of it. 
But what's happening is I think some retailers and businesses are losing sight of employee engagement. And like I said, 75% of my business that I work with when I work with retailers and businesses and entrepreneurs is about employee engagement. It's how to increase employee engagement. And that's really the key right there because a lot of employees are feeling, they're feeling fearful right now. They're feeling trepidation about already about automation coming and AI coming in. And it's really not hard to get to know people once you understand basic human nature and that we all want to feel like we belong. We all want to feel supported. We all want to feel like we're included. And to me, these aren't really rocket science things that you need to know. But the key, the key actuator is you got to have leaders that really care about people. And like I've, I've said before, there was 10 questions that I would ask a, a potential leader before they got promoted. Why do you want to get promoted? And, you know, a lot of times it's to make more money, it's to increase responsibility, it's to have more authority. And I want to hear that you want to help people. That's generally what it's about. I know it's a cliche and a lot of people say it, but, you know, I want to make sure that you really care about people. So tapping into intrinsic motivation is really, it's a, it's a goldmine. It's a game changer because what you're doing is you're tapping into somebody's natural energy that they're motivated, they're excited, they're, it lights a fire within them. And then all you have to do is then give them the guidance and the support and the structure and then let them go. Now, there'll be some mistakes along the way. Obviously, there'll be some mistakes and some growing pains. And, and you know, but when they feel supported, like, hey, you know, I can make a mistake. Now, you can't make the same mistake five times. Obviously, you know, you have to learn from that. But that's, that's when you're doing your, your daily check-ins and you're touching base with the employees. You can find out and take the temperature on how, how well they're performing with what they're doing and giving them some of that autonomy. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a big supporter of it. And I put it in my book, I put it in my online courses, and I talk about it immensely with all my clients. Th this specific topic is, is really, it's really important to me. Thank you for sharing. So much to learn. Thank you, Jeffrey. That was fantastic. Awesome. All right, Casey, I am ready to learn more about delivery services. This may be one of the most fascinating discussions we've had on the podcast. I'm excited for this one. Me too. Delivery to me, it's always like magic. So let's dive in to this insightful conversation with Raj about the future of delivery in retail. Welcome to the show, Raj. It's great to have you here today. Very exciting to have you with us. Before we dive in, let's talk about your background, your role at SHIP, and how you got here. Great. Well, first, thanks for having me on Ricardo and Casey. Great to be here as well. I thought I'd just share a little bit about how I got here and my role at SHIP. Had an interesting, like many of us probably didn't predict how a career evolves over the last 20 plus years. But yeah, I've been at the intersection of retail, tech and logistics for a good part of that career. You know, I actually started out, if you can look back and think about when e-commerce wasn't actually a big part of our lives. Uh, one of the first things I did as a management consultant right out of undergrad was Best Buy was my client. And one of the things we worked on was helping them think about whether e-commerce was going to be a real thing. You know, everything from competing with Dell on built-to-order computers to standing up their first e-commerce platforms in the mid to late 90s. And so, you know, when you look back on that and think about retail and e-commerce from that vantage point, I've had a few different threads along the way, you know, everything from actually working on Microsoft front page, which is a product at, mm. at Microsoft when I was a product manager, that actually the biggest thing we did was help early eBay sellers manage their pages on eBay and, and code HTML. And so if you think about this thread of retail and commerce, I extended that over, over the time as well to companies that sold solutions into retail as well. So Square Trade in the insurance and warranty space, Lyft, 
on transportation, but we ultimately had a lot of end clients like Target where we sold those types of solutions and so saw the vantage point of retail as a vendor as well. Uh, and then really what led me to ship is I was leading the B2B business at Lyft, which was everything where we had a third party pay for or dispatch rides on behalf of their customers. And one of the things we were thinking about in addition to the work we did in medical transportation or auto dealerships in transportation was what about other last mile services? We have drivers on the platform. Could we do things like deliveries? We weren't in the food delivery business at the time, but stumbled into the importance of last mile and delivery. And when the opportunity to look at shift and target came about, you know, I, I was really intrigued by this combination of the unique capabilities of ship, which we can talk about and the, the scale of target as one of the largest retailers and what that might unlock around delivery related services. And so that's what led me here. And a lot of my role now is, you know, building the capabilities we need to scale and optimize across both what we call shop and deliver, where shoppers will go in and pick an order and deliver it or delivery only last mile services. So really like that combination of, you know, building on retail and logistics and how to create and scale a business over time, which is a lot of what I learned in um, private equity, which is another part of my career uh, as well. Oh, yeah. So really, really varied uh, background, but like you started out saying a good path through all kinds of different uh, commerce areas and leading into delivery. Really fascinating. Let, let's dig in a little more into, you know, the, your role now at, at Shipt and, and what's happening there. Because when I think of Shipt, I kind of think it's not quite the same as other delivery services, is it? I mean, you, you guys are a little different from others in terms of what you offer and, and, and how, you're, how you're operating. So can you tell us a little bit more about the two main services to shop and deliver and, and deliver only? But talk to us a little bit about how Shipt is different from these other delivery services we all hear about. Yeah, no, happy to. So let's start maybe with the, the shop and deliver business. So building on that a little bit, you know, that really is something where we have his, the, the history of ship was really around grocery delivery and making sure that we had a delightful experience for members who want a, a set of shoppers that provide great service. And that's still the case today. It's a big part of our business today where we not only have grocery delivery, where our shoppers will go in, pick the, pick the grocery items and deliver them. But we have a number of other things on our marketplace, you know, other categories, convenience item, pet, et cetera, where we're really creating a great experience for those members who pay on our platform and really value this elevated service element that we, we invest in and really try and create an ecosystem around and then making sure that We've got a variety of different use cases as we can talk about, you know, certainly things have grown over COVID. Some things have normalized a bit on people's needs for deliveries. You know, it's now moderating a bit in different ways. And we really want to be there for all of the different things where uh, a member or a consumer wants to benefit from that offering and breath that we could provide with that elevated service experience. So that's sort of one core part of ship, the shop and deliver piece. The second piece is one of our fastest growing pieces, which is a combination of both delivery only. It's a combination of both what we do for Target as our parent company, but also third-party retailers. And essentially, in that case, we're not doing the shopping or the picking. We're a last-mile delivery component where we'll either go to stores on behalf of other large, well-known retailers that we work with, or in Target's case, we actually will go to something called a sortation center, which is a logistics operation in a, in a metro area like Minneapolis, where They'll bring all the packages in for e-commerce uh, orders in that metropolitan area into one facility, a sortation center, 
create those routes and then ship drivers, the independent contractors will come in, pick up those packages and deliver them to the end customer. And, you know, that particular area is our fastest growing service line. And, you know, you can imagine that the needs and capabilities are different in both. But what's common about that is we have a variety of different flexible earnings opportunities for that independent contractor to earn on the ship platform. But in all cases, we're trying to do that with this combination of elevated service and the underlying understanding of retail and technology, given our, our broader parent company relationship and the breadth of partners we work with as well. So let me dig into one, one aspect of that. You mentioned how you kind of started out in the grocery delivery area with that shop and, and deliver, and then you expanded and, and have the deliver only offering. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, kind of what led you to go into these other retail categories? I think you touch on brands that are, are we think of as more convenience brands, maybe pet supplies, pharmacy, and I think other categories as well. So can you talk about how did you approach, maybe it's both of those deliveries, both the shop and deliver and deliver only as you went into each of these new retail categories? Yeah, no, it's a great, great point. I, I think when you really look at all of us as consumers, you know, think about all the different commerce related activities we have in a given week or a month, right? Typically you've got your grocery shopping, which for many customers or consumers will happen one time in the week, maybe on the same day, could be on a weekend, right? Typically the stock up Sunday type of example, but then you've got other things that happen throughout the week, right? It may be another grocery thing you realize midweek. It may be a convenience need that you have in, in the rest of those days in the week, but there are also all kinds of other use cases, whether that's gifting, whether that might be, hey, I have this need for an electronics item, I need a table, you know, all of those types of things come up. And so one of our goals has been to make sure that when we look at all of those use cases, we've got the breadth of not only the selection and the partners that our consumers value, but all of the different categories, if you will, right? So there's intersection between the cost, the convenience, and the selection that people desire when you just think about how many commerce transactions do we have in a given week and which of them lend themselves to a great shop and deliver related experience. The, the other part is we realized, hey, by having this capability, there are some scale and other benefits we could bring to other retailers that might not be interested in the shopping because their own store employees will do that. But having that last mile delivery piece is a value add we could, we could provide to the retailer as our end customer in that case, right? And delivery only, that's typically the model. And we realize that's an opportunity for growth as well. And we've seen good traction in both of those areas. No, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting how you've essentially expanded. And with that, Shipped isn't the only delivery service that has independent contractors. And I'm sure that that comes from some of your previous experience. How is that Shipped experience different? Ricardo's had some of his own personal experiences with it. But how are you guys kind of really separating yourselves in that actual customer experience and how those the the independent workers experience? Yeah, it's a it's a great point. I I would say from both my experience at List and Ship, there are a few things that are core to any independent contractor. You know, one of those is flexibility in the in how they choose to earn and what work they'd like to do, you know, giving them that empowerment and the flexibility. The other is really, you know, this breadth of, of options. And so when you really think about what I just described for Shipped, where we've got 
everything from shop and deliver as an independent contractor. So some people will say, hey, I really value that opportunity to engage with a member or consumer. I like the grocery shopping element all the way to what we do for Target on the last mile delivery side. Those typically tend to be longer routes. So in some cases, it might be 15, 20, 25 packages that you're dropping off over a couple of hours where you know, you're know you really doing something very different, right? There's not the interaction with the consumer, but there are a set of independent contractors that really value that type of work as well. And so one of the things we really strive to do is make sure we've got this breadth of flexibility and choice to create those variety of earnings opportunities for people on our platform. But what we value in the people that choose to do the work on our platform and engage with us is really this like element of high high service and and that elevated experience because we do believe that that's what our both our retail partners and our consumers tell us they value from ship and that starts with the the shoppers and drivers that work on our platform so that's really what we we really like to focus on and then certainly you know we've got this growing uh, increased elevation of a target and that's adding more and more opportunities as well and a variety of capabilities there that our, our independent contractor network benefits from too. And you guys are really putting like valuing some type of like relationship or like consistency. Cause I mean, I think that that's a little bit different than most people are familiar with as well. Correct me if I'm Consistency wrong. from the standpoint of the member and the shopper connection. Yeah. That they're, that you can have, you might have a favorite and it might be somebody that gets to know you over time. Yeah, absolutely. So if we think about one of the things that has really stood out over ship's growth has been that what we call a preferred shopper and member relationship. So the nice thing about that is that as shoppers deliver a great service and members value that, there's an opportunity to make that connection and then maintain that over time. So we have many examples where, you know, shoppers have gotten to know somebody as a member so well that you know, they might say things like, hey, I realize that you normally order orange Gatorade every Sunday. I noticed you left it off. Do you want me to add that? And that comes with this relationship that gets built over time. And we really think about this as ultimately all of the independent contractors, the shoppers that engage, they are small businesses and entrepreneurs themselves, right? And so we're trying to really create those opportunities for the relationship. You know, everything from also one of the big challenges that's happened for all partners or all, all platforms has been, you know, out of stock, right? So sometimes you'll order something, it happens to be out of stock. One of the ways that those preferred shopper connections, and we encourage all of our shoppers is to really make sure they're focused on what they can do for the member to make sure that when something's out of stock, there's appropriate substitution. Some of that's driven by things that the members selected on the platform, but at the same time, that can be part of that relationship and interaction and good communication that results. And so we see that as a big part of the service elements that we want people that are predisposed to that. But then also we see that certainly that members value that, whether that's demonstrated by their repeat frequency of of orders or tipping rates, all of those come together where it's a win for both the member and the shopper. It's great. I just love hearing that it's amplified and like supported at at the top. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we think it's a real value add and differentiator for us as well, uh, given that heritage. I love hearing that too. And I, I guess I can attest as a consumer who's leveraged that in the past experiences and using Shift that it, it absolutely works in the consumer's favor because it certainly worked, worked for me. I, I want to shift a little bit and maybe touch on, you know, what, what are your thoughts around some of the 
bigger challenges that retail is facing today with respect to delivery? I mean, I think we've all seen a delivery boom in the last few years. Consumers have certainly gotten more used to leveraging a delivery service and taking advantage of it. I'm sure there are ups and downs seasonally in terms of when consumers are using it more. But what, what would you say right now are, are the, the biggest challenges that are ahead of the industry? Yeah, it's certainly been a very growthful and volatile period the last few years, right? On, on probably many dimensions in, in our lives as individual consumers, but certainly as a business like Shift or, or even our retail partners, we've all certainly seen sort of those ups and downs and how things are now normalizing. So, you know, I think the way I think about this is we've come through this period of COVID. As I mentioned, we're starting to see that rationalization of certain elements of the need for great delivery speed, convenience, and cost, kind of that intersection, that's going to remain, right, to, to a degree. But different consumers will use it in different ways, right? Some people have said, hey, I now prefer to go back and shop in person in certain cases. But in other cases, they've gotten very comfortable with that element of the, the speed and convenience at a reasonable cost intersection. And so we see that really depending on the use cases and the occasions, right? So certainly they're the core set of grocery. E-commerce is going to continue to grow. We've all seen those trends that it will grow at different rates for different categories. Certainly grocery will be one of those. All of the other big retail categories are going to continue to grow. And I think delivery as a result will grow in, in sort of aggregate. And our goal, goal at Shipped is to really make sure, as I think every retail partner is thinking about, what's that right intersection between the delivery speed, the cost, the convenience, the selection we're trying to offer to meet the ultimately the consumer where they want, right? We, we talk a lot about this within Shipped and you know, certainly Target as our parent company. We're really trying to think about ultimately the consumer is the one who's going to vote with what they prefer, right? So whether that's something like same-day delivery, whether that's drive up or pick up, you know, curbside, when you think about an omni-channel retail experience, that's really what we want to make sure that we have solutions across uh, all of those that are relevant for ship. And certainly at the target level, they're looking holistically at that as well. And we have that same conversation with all of our retail partners who are thinking about where's that intersection between things that you need on the same day? What are things that could be next day? What about today? And how do you strike the balance on the right cost structure? Because I think that's ultimately one of the things that everyone in the industry is thinking about is that you've got to be able to do all of these things at sustainable, reasonable cost structures. Uh, sometimes we've gone on different ends of the spectrum on the pendulums there. And I think you see people now trying to really focus on that as we scale the business. Certainly, that's one of our big priorities and, and my priorities to shift as well. It sounds like that's driving a lot of your focus. Would you say that, do you have like two top priorities that you really want to focus on for the rest of this year? I mean, we're kind of coming into holiday now. Yeah, that, certainly we've got areas we're focused on in in both the shop and deliver and the delivery only side. As I mentioned, you know, we've got different things happening in, in each of those. So one of the big priorities we have is to continue to make sure that we've got great brand awareness. As an example, on the shop and deliver side on our marketplace business, we just launched a new advertising campaign to create greater awareness for ship than the value we can provide. And so really excited about that company level. As a result, we want to make sure that we believe that's going to bring even more people to know, know about SHIP. And so we've got to make sure that we're ready to enable all of the, the great experiences that people want on the shop and deliver side. And so that's a big part of our focus and the team's focus in the back half of the year. 
And then in, in addition to that, on the delivery only side, you know, Target has very publicly announced, you know, going to, we've gone from one sortation center to 10 to soon to be 15 or 16 in the next couple of years. As you scale that part of the business, each of those different metropolitan areas has a different need for the types of drivers, the types of solutions you're trying to build. And you're trying to do that in the diversity of now nine or 10 cities. And so a big part of our focus has been how do we continue to learn, develop shared learnings and best practices across each of those metros, but then understand that every nuance is, or every city like Atlanta or Minneapolis or Chicago, where we have these solutions is going to be slightly different. And so a lot of that is making sure we've done a lot to be ready as we go into the holiday. We all know retail and Q4 and, and holidays the, is the big uh, Super Bowl type event. And so, you know, we've now got another three or four months to continue focusing on that. But it's really about the scalability consciously driving growth and, and efficiency, but also making sure we're creating these great experiences ultimately for the consumers and, and retail partners that depend on us. Let me ask you a follow-up real quick on something you were mentioned a few moments ago around how you work with other retail partners in terms of understanding, let's say, differences between different product categories and where things might need to be staged versus, you know, maybe they ask the retailer for a curbside or items where the retailer wants to classify them as this is something that we do want to have the shop and deliver option versus just to deliver only. I imagine there are some trends that surface from that that may vary by retailer. Yes, I know that I skew everybody's data. (laughs) (laughs) Your tastes are unique. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I need a pool floaty in like 30 minutes in Manhattan. (laughs) Who's delivering it? Meet me there in the city. Well, you know, it's, it's it's funny you say that because look, one of the things that the the power of if you just think about where we started on how much has changed on e-commerce and you know the use of things like search to drive an experience, right? There's so much data that exists to to your point, Ricardo, that there's a lot of power in being able to take that data and understand the trends, right? And and so if if Casey's searching and a lot of people are searching for that. 30 minute pool item, right? That's, <laughs> that's something you can take advantage of, but, but in, in, in sort of bringing it back to like what we do in the business, it's a great example where we see, for example, given the breadth of partners we have and the behavior of our members, we actually, in many cases, know more about things like out of stocks and substitutions than the retail partners do themselves. And, and here's why, because in a, in a physical store, sometimes there's a lag between what happens like when you walk in and see, hey, I'm missing three items that I would have had on my list when I'm in the store physically, you don't always know whether there was an opportunity for a substitution, right? Somebody might have just said, you know what? I'm frustrated. I'm going to leave and go to the next alternative. And I couldn't necessarily find somebody to help me figure out what that alternative is. And in with the online experience, we have these opportunities where we know that, hey, that ship shopper was able to substitute this yogurt for a different brand. Mm. And so sharing that information back with partners is actually quite valuable because it gives them kind of this frontline view on what's actually happening. And in some cases, what are those? You know, I wanted item A, I'm willing to go with item B. And that tells you a lot about everything when you think about retail, merchandising to what type of inventory you're carrying to just ultimately how you take that information back to the brands that you're working with, CPGs and and certainly ad revenue and other things are a big part of any retailer's focus. And so that's something that we found is really interesting is that we've got kind of this conversation starter, right? And some, in many cases, leads to these different actions as well that we've seen across different partners. 
It's really great, actually. I mean, just as a former buyer and a former planner, I the miss list is such a, a, an opportunity of knowing what you could have sold, but very rarely do you ever get a list of everything that you could have sold. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or yeah. the opportunities you have on, you could have bought 50 extra units or 50,000 extra units because you just don't know how much business opportunity you really did miss. So I, I find, I'm sure retailers find that very, very valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think when you think about everything from not just the information, but then back to that action, right? Like knowing that, well, maybe I could do something as simple as having the yogurt that is likely substituted in close proximity. So I've got good inventory levels on both, right? That's a very simple action that we've heard from some of our partners that that's the kind of actionability that they'll, they'll put in place when they see that data. So there's a lot there. Yeah, that's really impactful to kind of close the loop on that planning aspect just based on the data that you get, which maybe you wouldn't think of necessarily when you're, you're looking at it in terms of products being delivered, but how they get picked actually has an impact. And if you know what alternatives are being chosen, you can re-merchandise the shelves that way. Yeah, and actually, it, it's a great point. One of the other things we, we learn is that our shoppers, you know, we, we have a lot of feedback mechanisms with our shoppers and drivers, right? And, and yeah. something we, we really pride ourselves on is, you know, listening to the shoppers. And so we got a lot of feedback saying, hey, you know, I would love to see certain things with some of those retail partners where when I'm shopping that store, it's inefficient, right? Maybe the checkout mm-hmm. flow could be improved or I see opportunities to merchandise or let us know how to pick those items in a different way, right? And so those are constant conversations as well, because again, you know, that's a, an opportunity. I'm sure all retailers will hear from their own team members, but mm-hmm. this is a supplemental piece where the shoppers really in many ways putting themselves in the shoes of both the team member of a, of a retailer and the consumer. And uh, that's an added value add we can provide as well, where they have that additional eyes and ears. And, you know, we've taken mm-hmm. some of that feedback from shoppers as well and have worked with different partners on improving that experience because ultimately, you know, that's a win for everybody. If they can get out of the store in a more seamless fashion, you know, everything gets delivered in a more on-time fashion to the consumer, right? It's a win for everybody. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great feedback mechanism and a good, good way of closing the loop on just making the overall process better. So I want to kind of shift gears a a little bit and some of our preparation for this, we talked about a handful of things that Casey and I have seen often talked about in what's coming in the, in the future of, of delivery services. So what I thought we could do here Raj, we're going to list some of these items for you and kind of get your quick take on what the future holds in those categories. And these are ones that we see these often talked about. There are always lots of industry reports that get generated about what's happening in delivery, but this seems like a good way to get, get some input from the source, so to speak, right, on, on where things are headed. So we'll just list each one and give you a quick description of what we're talking about, and then you give us your, your take on that. Okay. So the first one is just around speed and convenience or the fact that consumers always seem to expect things faster and more convenient and they want options in terms of how they get things fulfilled. What, what do you see in the future there? Yeah, certainly speed and convenience are going to continue, be, continue to be important. I think the element that I would add is it's speed and convenience and cost because yeah. ultimately the cost, whether it's borne by the consumer or it's borne by the retailer or shared, right? 
there is a reality to that. We've all seen, and, and, you know, I think ship that we've, we've said very publicly, we're not really interested in playing in the 15 minute delivery right. game, right? right? We, we just don't see that as a good overall mm-hmm. outcome for all the stakeholders, right? Including that element of cost. But there are certainly to that point about things like grocery where within an hour or two, all the way to things that lend themselves to, you know, two or three days, we want to be playing in all of those. And I think, frankly, everybody in the industry is looking at that combination of speed, convenience and cost and how much of that can be shared or borne by either party. Right. And so I'd say that's something I certainly expect to be a big part of the overall industry in the coming years. And, and I'd say you'll see a lot of experimentation on that. You know, we've seen everything from some of our retail partners have loyalty programs where, you know, you might get as by being a part of that membership, you get a certain element of faster speed, right? Mm. As a benefit. So right. you'll see a lot of these, I think, evolutions of those, those speed and convenience elements may be something as part of a bigger strategic element for some of the retailers. And then there's a willingness to pay on the consumer side where we know in some cases people are willing to say, Hey, if I can get that same day, you know, I'm willing to pay an extra X dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's where's that continuum, you know, where, and, and it probably varies a bit by category, certain right. things, convenience, I need Advil for my child, right? There's always that element of it's a lot easier for someone to bring that to me and I'm willing to pay for that. Those are some of the things that you want to strike the nuance where certain things lend themselves to the speed in particular at a, at, at a certain cost. Um, others, you're totally fine waiting two or three days because there's not the urgency. And so I think that sophistication right. around category as well will, will be a big part of what the industry is going to. So I'm not going to ha- have things teleported here in the next 12 to 18 months. <laughs> you, may, you may not have it teleported, but there may be a lot of other <laughs> other things that are experimented on that you probably see in the industry of how to get it to you. Yep. All right. We have a little bit more time. There <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. So the, the next one, Raj, is around sustainability. You know, I, I, well, we see diff- different kind of takes on this and different expectations, if you will, from consumers as to how much their sustainability matters to them, how much they're willing to potentially pay more for that. But I, I think there's certainly a, 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 let's call it a minimum interest level on the consumer side of understanding the sustainability nature of the things that they're buying more and more when it comes to, you know, reducing the overall carbon footprint of what they're doing and just general sustainability practices from the retailers they're buying from. How do you see that playing into delivery? Yeah, it's a, it's a interesting one because certainly there's an important role that sustainability plays, not just in delivery, but how our retail partners are thinking about this, how, as you mentioned, how consumers are thinking about it. And so I'd say certainly things like reducing carbon footprint, does a company have sustainable practices, right? Everything from how you handle bags, which I can talk about in a minute, to just overall, what are you doing to support the broader communities and ecosystem that we all live in? And so and one one element is certainly sustainability. There's also, I think, generally certainly something that SHIP participates in is just looking at the way we serve the community overall, right? Whether that's expanding food access or economic mobility to different underrepresented communities, so I think those elements are all important in why does somebody choose to work with a company like Shift or a retail partner? The example in particular on sustainability that we've been looking at is even something as simple as if you have local bag bans on plastic bags 
we now in those communities are giving shoppers the option to purchase bags and pass that cost on or let consumers say, you know what, I'd prefer that you just don't use a bag and I'll have a little bin outside when you drop the things off. And that's perfectly fine with me, right? So there's small practices like that that can add up over time. And and so certainly though, as being part of Target, you know, who has a large target forward and sustainability commitments, we're constantly looking at those things as part of our parent company relationship uh, as well on ways that we can support that. So um, certainly will be an area of focus in the coming years for us as well. Last mile delivery optimization. I mean, I think that that's very, very hot topic just to make it more profitable and, and optimize the, the improve the efficiency. I would think that this would come back to a lot of tech and a lot of data, but retailers are expected to optimize this last minute, last mile delivery and operations. What do you see as the biggest opportunity here in the near future? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the thing that every retailer is, is focused on is ultimately back to that combination of the seed convenience cost. But if I think about this from how we look at it at Shipt and, and Target, at the end of the day, the best way to improve the overall economics, which ultimately get passed back to the consumer or the retailer, is to get what we'll call more density of, of routes, right? So the more packages that you could be working with to optimize when I can have one driver delivering five packages versus seven versus 10, you know, that's a win for, for everybody. And so that's a lot of what, as I mentioned, the sortation center work that we're doing with Target, that's really what that comes down to is, you know, you can have this combination of a great experience for the guests as Target, because in this case, you're able to get the packages to the guests faster at a lower cost. And ultimately that's done by having these denser routes that ship drivers can take. And so it's this great combination of all of those things that we're really excited about scaling for Target in the coming years to more cities. And then, then ultimately, you know, that when you have less driver, individual drivers on the road in that scenario, there are some of the other things we we're just talking about benefits on sustainability and, and other pieces too, that will come over time. So it's a win, uh, as we, as we focus on that too, from an optimization standpoint. Do you feel that there's an opportunity for more retailers to be investing in technologies in this space over in the next 24 months? Oh, certainly. I mean, I think if, if based on all of our conversations we have with different retail partners and, and certainly Target as our parent company, we know that they're investing in all of these different last mile capabilities. And, and frankly, back to understanding what their consumers and guests want and how they can fulfill that with that right combination of the cost, convenience, speed. And so a lot of that is, is based on understanding the data, back to things like loyalty programs, understanding what unique capabilities you could build that their mm -hmm. consumers will value and ultimately have good ship play a role in providing that solution. And so a lot of our conversations are very centered around not just what might start with a supply chain or fulfillment lens, but ultimately it, it comes back to what's the guest experience or the consumer experience and the marketing and value proposition you want to have as a, as a retailer. And particularly when you're looking at these omni-channel solutions. And so what, what role could something like ship and same day or next day or two day delivery play in that? And so that, that's really, I think, part of how we like to engage with those partners is having these holistic conversations. And I think, you know, given we have a, an interesting vantage point in working with a variety of partners, 
and having some of the, the benefit of being part of Target, it gives us this unique lens that we can share with, with the different partners in the ecosystem as well. Well, when it comes to customer experience, I'm always for putting it in number one spot. So <laughs> <laughs> this was just really great. And I think we've answered a lot of questions that people are having about this last mile delivery and really about shipped in general. If it hasn't been brought up and, and they haven't dived into your business and all the really wonderful things that you're doing. I am just so glad we got into these details. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot. I wouldn't doubt it if you got several phone calls. So to wrap up our discussion, let's focus on some future trends when you think of the future of e-commerce. Curious what that sounds like to you. Kind of ask everybody, what is that future look like? How far out do you think it is? Yeah, it's a great thing to, to chew on, right? Coming back to when, when I think back to where we started, when right, we when were you debating, think about when you e- 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 was, was e-commerce a thing, right? We've now, right. 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 We've, we've clearly said, yes, that's a big part of our lives. If you go the next 20 or 25 years, what does that look like? I, I think to me, there's a few different elements. Certainly the digital growth and e-commerce will continue to grow in that category. Diversity will, will, will be there of um, matching what consumers need with, you know, the availability of selection online. That's one element. I think this, this piece that you touched on of like personalization, really understanding what it is that you as an individual consumer value. I think all retailers will continue to look at that, whether that's manifested in loyalty, whether that's in the way that you get given targeted incentives and rewards, right? That's a big part of what everyone's thinking about. And then how that shows up. So I certainly think that'll be part of that next wave in the ecosystem. There'll always be a shopper and driver centric, people centric model, but there's going to be new delivery models that emerge that certainly everyone's going to be playing with and testing. So I think that'll be be a piece. And then, you know, I think ultimately this, um, uh, a lot of the things that we might have taken for granted, right? Like how do you how do you replicate that experience as we touched on in the store that substitutions or impulse buys? We were just in some conversations that shipped about interesting ideas like that. Like how do you replicate the impulse buy concept? And so I think a lot of that is going to be sort of as evolutions of technology, VR, maybe the, you know, chat GPT and other types of things and generative AI will, will play roles in that. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a big part of you know, future scenarios um, that people will invest in as well. Yeah, that product discovery piece is a whole nother podcast. I just walked it is. <laughs> and yeah. and in yeah. there was there's no product. And I'm I know what I want. I just want to look at some stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. One thing here that's usually in this aisle. <laughs> this is really just fantastic. Yeah, a lot, lot of different things to think about there for sure from this. I mean, Raj, I'm so glad we had this opportunity to chat with you about what's happening today and into the future and in the delivery space. And I think to your point, there's lots of experiments happening, lots of things to kind of fuel around personalization and, and finding ways to individualize the experience for consumers. And then I'm, I'm personally really fascinated with some of the things you, you brought up about how the retailers benefit from the data that's generated just throughout this whole process and the services and things that you're bringing for, for them and what can be learned from that and how the retailer can adapt to their existing in-store experience just 
by having learned from the delivery process. I think that's absolutely a fascinating part of it that doesn't get talked about enough for given the benefit that it can really bring to things. Yeah, that's no, certainly an exciting time to, to be in the space. As, as we've all know, you know, fast evolving and changing constantly, but that's what makes it fun and what keeps me excited about being a chip. And so I've really enjoyed the opportunity as well to share some thoughts and uh, uh, chat with you today as well. So appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks again, Raj, for joining us. I can't wait to see how this market plays out in the coming year and beyond. So Ricardo, I'd say that this makes our episode a wrap. It does. Great. Thank you. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player or watch us on YouTube channel so you don't miss a minute. If you want to know more about what we talked about today, take a look at the show notes for handy links and more deets. And if you're not listening on Good Pods, we recommend giving them a spin and join their podcasting community. Check it out and follow our show. I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. And if you'd like to connect with us and share your feedback, follow us and the show on Twitter at KCC Golden, Ricardo underscore Belmar, and at Retail Razor, or find us on LinkedIn. And if you want to see even more from us, check out and subscribe to our Substack newsletter that includes full episode transcripts and bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is the Retail Razor Show.